That's right, y'all. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. This podcast equips you with the real estate and wealth strategies you can use to develop and enhance your skills, experience, and profit in real estate while also being healthy on the inside and the outside. You ready? We are showcasing some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and entrepreneurs. Now it's time to develop. Here's your host, real estate developing queen, Deontay Chantel. Let's go. Go, go, go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. I'm your host, Deontay Chantel. Today, we have a very special guest. One of my favorite people in real estate, actually, Mr. Matt Marinoff. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm blessed. I can't complain. Thank you for coming on. This is like about a year overdue, right? This podcast. Is- <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I, have, I was on your platform um, and that was a great opportunity. So thanks for having me on your platform. Now you're on my podcast and everyone, he's definitely a gym dropper. Uh, today, we're going to focus on what his specialty is, which is short sales, what's happening in the real estate market right now. I'm going to have to put this episode out right away. And everything else he has going on, we're going to talk about it. So again, thanks for coming on. Um, so Matt, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, the name of your company, what you're doing throughout the country. Let us know what you're doing. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on today. So, you know, basically my journey started 17 years ago, 2005, that was before, you know, the last crash of the real estate market, which was 2007, 2008. In 2005, when I got involved in distressed real estate, people were like, the hell is Matt Baranoff? What the hell is a short sale? So I was making fun of people. I was like, nah, you know, anything can really be short. You know, you can short anything. What I was talking specifically was. Uh, distressed real estate. And I, at the time, had just come off of working for a company, a mortgage company, believe it or not. I never wrote mortgages, but I handled the the marketing aspect to bring in and generate leads for people that were looking for mortgages. And we did an amazing job with the program. And it was a for sale by owner program. And towards the end of my set with that, I noticed that people were asking me to come over before their spouses were like home. And I thought it was kind of weird, to be honest. I was like, you don't see what I look like, but I guess I had a sexy voice. So they're like, hey, what's up? But then I, I started to realize that people were becoming delinquent in their mortgages because the mortgages that they were in were in, I call them, tickler loans. And they were one percenters. And people were biting off more than they could chew with the real estate. And, you know, they were getting sold a bag of, you know, you know poop, bad poop. And... What it was, was, is that people were, you know, over leveraging purchasing properties that they couldn't afford, not understanding that these loans were going to mature. So, um, I took a different stance. Uh, I took one of those, you know, classes where you can learn how to buy a property for as low as $10 out of pocket. Um, after the class, I was invited to become, um, a partner, uh, on this guy's team because I had a uh, collection experience. Although I was really horrible at it, um, I was great at skip tracing and had a kind, kind heart. And he knew that I did that, that I had a kind heart. People sometimes look at me differently and they think, you know, I'm arrogant, I'm for myself, I could be kind of a jerk. But really what it is, is that, you know, I understand my business model and what I do and what I offer. I don't like to be right all the time, but right. in 2007, um, you know, my partner at the time said, Hey, you ready to start teaching what you do? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, and I did it and we did it for about two years. So if you were in North Jersey area, you probably had learned how to do short sales from me at that time. But then I went dark for a couple of years and I started, you know, different ventures with different people and I felt really unsettled. And here's why most people didn't understand, like when you're, when you're behind in your mortgage, there's so much you know, angst and they're, they, they just don't know what to do. And a lot of people bury their head in the sand. And I often knew that one day I wanted to write a book about, you know, what I had done, what I was doing, like with my journey and, you know, let's fast forward a couple of years. I built an amazing reputation in New Jersey and around 2014, people were reaching out from other states and they're saying, Hey, 
can you help us? You know, we're in blah, blah, you know, Vegas, California, Virginia, wherever. And I said, sure. So 2015, I decided to actually take my services on a national level and help people in other states. And I did that. And then fast forward, fast forward even further, you know, 2019 or so, I was on stage at an event that I had put together for myself. I had other partners with the event, but it was a massive event. I thought it was an amazing success. We had almost about 390 people sign up to come to the event, but we had about 240. A couple of things ran through my mind. And obviously, you know, you put events on, so you will know. Mm-hmm. What I did realize was there was about 50 or 60 people that didn't show up for the event, but they actually paid for the tickets. Nobody reached out and it was just really weird, which I thought, but I was on stage and I realized to myself, I'm going to write a book. And I ended up writing this book called The Short Sale Savage. And I wrote this book from my heart, from my perspective. Some of the criticism that I got from this book was, well, it's more like a marketing piece. You know, yeah, you talk about short sales, but you talk about stories in the book. Um, you talk about people that you've done business with. Those people, um, you know, had wrote stories in the book and it was kind of like praising you. And there was a lot of great content in your book, but it was like a marketing material. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't that what a book is? Isn't a book basically to get the word out about what you do, how you do it. And if you can't do it yourself, reach out to the author. That's how I looked at it. Nobody ever said the book sucked. But there's a lot of people that, from what I've seen, have really benefited from this book. And here's why. Again, I wrote this because I wanted people to understand the perspective from the buyer side. I want to understand from the perspective from the, you know, from the seller side, from the real estate side, even from like, you know, from the attorney side. So it's really shameful after doing this for so long, a lot of things that I learned, the most important is people will say they want to do something. Kind of like how I did my, my, my big seminar and right. 56 people didn't show up, but they paid for it, Right, right. but it doesn't always work out or they, for whatever reason, decide they want to go in a different direction and they right. feel foolish. I actually reached out to some of those people and I said, Hey, you, you know, I paid for the event, but you didn't come. And I said, yeah, yeah, I couldn't make it. Or, you know what? I decided, you know, short sales aren't for me thing is, is that it's not about me and it's not about you, D. It's about the people that are in trouble. Exactly. So this book for me was a huge milestone because I wanted to show other people that really anybody can write a book. This is 163 pages of meat and potatoes. There's no fluff in here. And as I speak, that's how this book is written. Right. So some people love it. Some people don't love it. The point I'm trying to make is, is that this isn't something that you can say, okay, I'm going to do it, but then I don't do it. People help homeowners, but they really don't help homeowners. Exactly. They try to help homeowners, but they can't help homeowners. They, I've seen so many people be, be put in bad situations because they don't understand the characteristics of how short sales work. I'm going to say one last thing and then I'll bring it back to my, back to you. I'm like, so Mike. The name of my company is Real Estate Recovery Group. Right. Now, spell real estate two words, real estate. But I spell real estate as one word. So it's Real Estate Recovery Group. And that's why I came up with RRG. And people are like, what's RRG? I'm like, Real Estate Recovery Group. That's a cool concept for a company name. But people, what they really don't know is Real Estate Recovery Group was born out of rules, regulations, and guidelines. And that's actually how I came up with the name real estate recovery group. So I did that because those are the things that I live by every day. So people could say whatever they want about me, good, bad, evil, whatever it is. I know I've got a lot. What's that? That they better not, not around me. I know I got a lot of frenemies out there and stuff like that. And that's okay. It's, I don't want to be right with what I do with my craft, but normally I am right. And we have, thank God, a tremendous success. We've had tremendous success with the company and what we offer because of the fact that nobody wants to do what I do. Investors, 50% of them don't understand how short sales work. Real estate agents, nine out of 10 of them shy away from what I do. So I try to bridge the gap and I'm still trying to bridge the gap and show people, look, 
if you know somebody who's in trouble, look, it might take a little bit longer to help those people, but you can help people and you can make money. Always put people before profit. But Yeah, so thanks for going over that because, first of all, if I ever hear anybody say anything bad about you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a problem. Because, Matt, when I say you're my favorite person in real estate and I consider you a friend, even though I don't talk to you often, like, you really, first of all, your character is the number one thing that I love about you, okay? You're a very, you're a stand-up guy. Um, real estate, for those who are listening, is a service-based business. I don't care what side of it you're on. If you're in it to just make money, you might as well get out. Because sometimes you're not going to make money. Let's just be, let's be honest, right? Um, 50 to 90, 90% of the time, you will make money if you have your business going well. But there could be dry spells in your business. Um, so you really do have to have the heart and the the mission in, in the back of your mind. Like, hey, I, I'm really out here to help people that want to be helped by me. Okay, that's the, that's the key here. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll feel like, oh, I can use anybody to help me. Or, I, you know, I'm not going to lose my house, especially in your case. I'm not going to lose my house. Uh, they just feel like they're going to be rescued by the bank or Joe Byron. I mean, excuse me. President Biden. But they're not, right? And we're starting to see certain things happen where there's not going to really be some type of rescue um, right now, as of today. Um, So I do commend you for, you know, just providing real estate solutions uh, for people in communities throughout the country, whether it's a particular color or not. But you're you're definitely providing solutions. And I I don't understand why anyone would have a problem working with you because you're definitely a stand-up guy. You've personally helped me in my business endeavors when we had our first event. Um, so literally, I was thanking God for you and your assistance. So appreciate that. Love you much. Um, but let's talk about the, the real estate short sale process. And we'll talk about later on in the conversation, like how people could actually learn from you as well. But if you can give us a general overview of how short sales pretty much go from A to Z. I don't know how long that's going to take. but are you able to tell, like, first things first, if someone receives their Liz pendants letter in the mail, meaning that they're three months or later in their mortgage, what should they do in that point, at that point of the game? Well, let me just, I want to make this statement. This actually came out about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it says here that New Jersey passed, a, passed out a little bit. Well, I don't know if people really visit, but what's the state that we're in? There's about $270 million yeah. uh, pool of money that was put together uh, to help people. And so far, they've only plopped out about $2.2 million. Let me, let me rewind that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but 270, 270, and they've only plopped out $2.2 million uh, uh, in relief money to help people in New Jersey. So you got a question, where's that money coming from? So I want to drop that little gem, that little nugget right there. So people, because everybody's like, well, you know, the government's going to help us. The banks are going to do this and they're going to do that. Um, that is not the case. I don't care what everybody says. Uh, you know, do I think it's going to be like 2007, 2008 again? No, I don't. Uh, we, we actually spoke about a bill that they tried to put in place. Um, so they could avoid 2008. I don't think that bill is going to pass. What, what was that bill? Let's talk about, well, can we talk about it on air? Yeah, I don't care what you about it. Yeah, I mean, so, knowledge. I mean, I knew about it before it actually even like really brought it out, which was really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they looking to do? They, what they were looking to do with that particular bill was to be able to make it that if you default on your loan in New Jersey, uh, that you could actually have a, a family member uh, purchase your property. Uh, at a discounted sheriff sale, but they to go one step further. Anybody who's ever gone to an auction uh, knows that you have to have at least 20% down after 30 days right. uh, to take over, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're trying to do with the property. Um, I'm sorry, no, you'd have to put 20% down to, to, to get the property. And then you have 30 days to actually uh, get a mortgage or however you're getting the loan uh, to, to take the loan out. However you do it. But now what they tried to propose was three and a half percent down. And they were given, they wanted to give people uh, 90 days to obtain a mortgage. That's uh, a, you know, good to me. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you why it's horrible. Let me tell you okay. why horrible. I mean, if, if I was on the other end, right? Like it would be, I think it's not that bad. I think it's good for the people. Not for the investors that's trying to get the deals. Well, it's not, it's not good for people, period. I'll tell you why. Because think about it this way. Let's say you got a house and I got a house. Let's say your mortgage is a million dollars. My mortgage is, let's say, $2 million. Right. So no matter what the judgment is, they wanted to make it. So at, at, at sale, I'll say if you owe a million dollars and I owe $2 million, they want to be able to sell it to a family member for 50% of that. So if you owe a million. So 500000 500 and I get it for a million dollars. So will you tell me that I cannot pay my mortgage, get my mortgage at 50% off, put it in a family friend's name, can't sell the house for a couple of years, but then I could essentially sell off and make the equity and sell my house. Like to me, like that makes no sense. Cause at that point, who the hell would want to pay their mortgage to stay in New Jersey if they know they're going to stay here for a while? Yeah. So, that's a collapse of a market again, doing it like right. that. That would be scary. So I don't know. And then, the, and then it, it talks about how they were going to say that like, there was one county in the state of New Jersey they were going to try it in. But again, like I haven't heard anything about it. So I don't think the bill passed. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, but as soon as I find out anything, I'll updates or whatever, I'll, I'll let you know. But it's creative things like that that scare the shit out of me. <laughs> That make me think, obviously, somebody's not thinking clearly on that. Right. Uh, but, you know, you asked me the mortgage process or the, uh, the short sale process or okay. whatever it is. This is one of the biggest mistakes I see is people come to me, not only in Jersey, but really everywhere. I got a short sale. Well, how do you know it's a short sale? They haven't paid their mortgage. Do they have equity? Well, I don't know if they have equity, but they haven't paid their mortgage. It's a short sale, right? Well, uh, I actually, I got somebody who brought me a, a transaction this past weekend. They were sitting on the beach and, uh, this agent said she was trying to buy a house and my friend had mentioned to her, oh, you know, my friend met, you know, m m Mr. Short Show. So she has me on the phone, Mr. Short Show, whatever. I'm like, how many years do you know, like 15, 20 years. But it was just funny. I spoke with the agent we had a conversation and. This agent has been in real estate for about 25, 30 years, had no idea how short sales were, which is okay, but was trying to buy it. But it was like, it's really so late in the game that she's trying to buy it. She's like, I almost feel like my contract is being used as a tool to bid up the price at the auction. And I said, but that's, that makes no sense. One thing has nothing to do with the other. Yeah. That's and she's true. like, and I'm like, well, and, but why would you keep moving forward with the process? Well, I really want the house. So if I have to, it, you know, I would go to the, um, I would go to the auction, I guess, and I'd have to pay more for the house. So people really have no idea how short sales work, the dynamics of it. Right. But the process itself is fairly. Wait, I'm sorry, before you go into the process, what do you recommend someone do in that situation? Because I, I would be trying to find out who the actual attorney is on the back end of the bank and just paying them directly outside of the auction. Well, I mean, I've done that literally, but you know. Whatever. Right, so you go to the attorney. I would say probably about 99% of all transactions that I've done over the last 17 years is bypassed the foreclosure attorney and go directly to the bank. I don't like to deal with the attorneys because, you know, it sounded in the beginning to me very barbaric that I'd have to go to someone else to put the faith in trying to figure out whether or not they're actually going to submit what I want in with the bank versus right. actually going to the bank, having those calls recorded, having accountability, uh, you know, in the lifespan of doing this, I've only had to really have three times where they actually had to reverse the foreclosure process where they actually foreclosed when they should have foreclosed when we were in the middle of doing a short sale, mm -hmm. which, you know, is really nothing. Uh, I've been involved in probably well over 2000 or so transactions, um, that were in distress. Not all of them were short sales, right. but a huge chunk of them say about 95% of those were short sales. But I think the process itself is scary to people because, you know, let's face it. Most agents have brokers and those brokers have 
try to steer their agents away from distressed real estate. Yeah. Go for low hanging fruit. Um, uh, go for the easy sale. Uh, short sales, uh, they never close. You know, I mean, I've made my living off of helping people that are in distress and avoid foreclosure for many years. Oh. I don't agree with that. Average short sale takes about three months from beginning to end if everybody cooperates. But once you get that notice in the mail, uh, after three months, I mean, at that point, they're basically saying, look, we're, this is the letter of intent. We're gonna, we're gonna foreclose. Uh, then you'll, you'll probably would get another letter stating that, you know, we're, we're going to put the final judgment on you. And then you have the right to actually write a letter back saying, no, I don't believe the foreclosure action is correct. Um, you know, you can ask for documentations for the bank which most people don't know that you can ask. And obviously I, you know, I teach this as an education, but then it goes on to, you know, the actual process itself. So from beginning to end, if the servicer or the bank or even the investor alone is very aggressive and they have all the paperwork, the correct paperwork to actually move forward and to be able to close, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they can get the process from A to Z in under a year. So somebody could lose their house. I mean, I've seen people have a sale date pop up in six, seven months. After they so, get a three-month Liz Pendence notice in New after Jersey? Three, after three months, I've seen them actually go in six months. So with under a year, I've seen people actually have a, have a sale date on their house. And they're, they're, they're bewildered. Because, yeah, I mean, I personally thought it took like at least two years, three years, but I guess. Oh, you, know, you got Bob, you got Bob down the street. Bob's friend Jack works at the loading dock, and uh, you know, you know, Jack's best friend down there, Sally's husband's cousin, didn't pay the mortgage for eight years. So they all think it's like the seven, eight year trend. That's not the case. They've actually changed the guidelines in New Jersey, even for you know, for the Germans, we can actually stop this on New Jersey. Right. Because it wasn't like two oh. week extensions, but you only got two of them. Yeah. So it was two, two weeks, which was equal to like 28 days, 30 days, whatever it is. Now they've extended it to two. So now you get 58 days, almost two months. Okay. Um, and you get two bank gets two. And that's it. What's the bank? They, that's new. The bank gets two. Oh, the German. bank also gets two adjournments. They get two. Yeah, two. So that's a, Unless they can go in front of a judge and show intent to, you know, whatever their, their plan is that they have. You don't have a solid plan. You go in front of a judge. Listen, any judge from what I've seen, if you're down 10 years on your mortgage and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, I want to do a short sale. If I was the judge at that point, I'd be like, nah, you just wait. You're going to waste more time. Goodbye. Right. And my, my perfect job, if I was hired by a bank, I would, I would love to be uh, head of uh, internal audits for, uh, for distressed real estate because I could flush out right away whether somebody's full or not, whether they really want to do something or whether it's a stall tax. I've seen people try to file bankruptcy, you know, as high as like six, seven dimes so they don't have to leave their house. Yeah, I've, I mean, that's the tactic. So let's say... Um... We see a property that's about to hit the short sale two months from now. Who? Even investors, myself, right? I'm looking on auction.com or whatever the website is, and I see that a property is about to hit the auction. What should I be doing uh, to get in contact with the owner to work directly with the bank at that point? Um, well, I mean, you could try to reach out to the homeowner and see if there's anything that, you know, that they're willing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. For, I know a lot of people is, are are not religious, but then you know, I mean, I, I like when it comes down to the line. They're like, "Well, Jesus has a plan," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Listen, you know, Mr. Goldstein, uh, I don't know if Jesus has a plan for you or not. Maybe Moses has got a plan, but Jesus doesn't have a you know plan." Okay. And I say to them jokingly, um, sometimes they laugh, sometimes they don't, sometimes they get really, they get really upset. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, nobody's walking around in a bathrobe with a checkbook. That, that does not work. So they're not, nobody's saving you. This is unfortunately where I'd say to you, 
you know, obviously, you know, you've been living in fantasy land for the last couple of years. You didn't pay your mortgage and now it's time to pay the piper. So do you want to have a foreclosure on your record? Or would you like to try to sell your house as a short sale and, you know, have, you know, you know, less than full amount, settled for less than full amount um, on your credit report versus a foreclosure? Well, you should never want a foreclosure on your credit report because, right. you know, that's going to be a nightmare for at least seven years. Then and there's the flip side where people like, well, if I sell my house short sale, it's going to ruin my credit too. Nothing that's going to ruin your credit. Your credit will take a dang. And to get another traditional mortgage could take two years. Which but if you have a foreclosure on your record. Like a year, know. seven years, Eight. 10 years. So Nine. what is the difference between a short sale and a short pay? So a short pay, uh, first of all, a short sale used to be, um, they used to be called uh, short pays back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's nothing short about a short sale. So it's a short sale, short pay. I think you're talking about uh, the possibility, and there's two towns, a short pay for settlement, where you could actually settle. Right. Because that's what, right. Because that's what, I mean, the last couple of properties, well, property that I actually purchased, it was, I would consider it a short pay, not a sale. Because we didn't go through the whole short sale process. We just literally took it from the... Because when you're taking it from the auction, isn't it considered like a short pay, right? You still short it. She owed 500000 We only paid one twenty, mm -hmm. And it was going to go to the auction for that one twenty price anyway. Or starting well, starting that's, that's still considered, quote unquote, a short sale because it was less than. I'm talking about not changing hands. I'm okay. talking about staying in. Everything's still intact with mm -hmm. the deed and, uh, and the title and where the homeowner has a right to actually settle their mortgage, but okay. they can actually get it for less than whatever's owed on it, but you get okay. to keep their property. Oh, no, so, no, they can't. Well, I'm not talking about people that can keep their properties. I'm just talking about people that can, like, cause I've seen it also with other investors. They literally just do what I just said, but they're even getting even lower. Uh, from these banks. I'm like, how y'all getting it lower than what I got it for? Right. Right, right, right. Anything else, I can get the properties, right? Um, gotcha. um, so, listen, it, it depends what it is. Maybe there's an insurance policy that's on the pro on the property. Okay. Um, that if the house goes to sale, uh, you know, maybe they're going to get paid back in fall. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, there was one transaction I had years ago. It was a construction of perm loan. Okay. Never got taken out of it. Um, they tried to foreclose on it, but they couldn't foreclose on it because they never really took them out of the construction loan aspect of it. Yeah. So he wasn't, he was late on the term of the, of the contract that they had for it, but he wasn't necessarily late per se on the payments. So I think his whole thing was about, uh, 525. Uh, but they, they ended up selling it for T25. Okay. So, okay. But there, there wasn't that much work that needed to be done, but, you know, legally, they can't go knock on the door. They can't go inside the property. Mm. You know, there's, there's a lot of rules that are in place, especially when they're trying to sell off position. And that's what happened in that situation. Right. It was, it was a position sell. Somebody actually took the collateral paperwork and was actually able to switch off and avoid where this guy actually had a foreclosure. Okay. Uh, and the person who bought it, I believe in the end, marked his car report, uh, paid in full for full amount. Thanks. Now, another question just popped in my head. And I, I think I know, oh, well, I know the answer to this. I've seen it. But can you do a short sale on a reverse mortgage? 100%. It's actually one of my favorites. I, I'm about to say, I'm sure you love doing those. I'm actually I, about to start attacking, well, not attacking, but really, um, get our marketing strategies together specifically for our legacy homeowners, right? I don't want to call them old. I like that. Legacy homeowners. I like that. The reason why, because I do feel like they're being, uh, they're being attacked from these reverse mortgage companies. They're, you know, not getting their true equity. Their parent, their ears are not also tapping into that equity either. And I feel like, hey, I might as well just give you a cash offer. And in, in many cases, I can even let you stay in the house too. 
You just have mm-hmm. to pay taxes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to pay certain things, but if I can get your property and the equity and the appreciation is still appreciating, if the market stays where it needs to be, it can still make sense. Um, mm-hmm. So what would the process be like for doing a short sale on a reverse mortgage? Is it the same process? Short sale reverse mortgage can be a little bit tricky. Meaning okay. that, you know, you, you're not asking for the same amount of documentation. Uh, if the person is still alive, then it's really bare. It's literally bare minimum because okay. it's a reverse mortgage. You're not asking for financials. If the person had passed away, then obviously, you know, you're looking for who's the trustee, um, or the executor or executress, uh, um, you know, a death certificate, uh, and, and you move forward. The biggest killer for these properties actually going in uh, foreclosure, I would even go through what you're going through. Um, if somebody wants to stay in their property and they don't have them, like some people just, they go into reverse mortgage, don't care about the equity in their house, just want to have a place to live. Yeah. So, but the taxes and insurance have to be paid. If mm-hmm. the taxes and insurance aren't paid, then the bank will foreclose. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've okay. seen... I've seen people go into uh, foreclosure. Some have equity. Some don't. Some, a lot of them don't have equity in the property. They literally tapped it all out. I think, you know, maybe they're forgetful. Maybe they think the, the, the insurance is being paid on the property. The tax is being paid. That's something that has to be kept up on. So I would say, and what, I, what I've seen is the uh, family members of the heirs had no idea that the family member had actually even done that. So if there was money that was tapped and pulled out, um, why not let, you know, a family member know that way, you know, you literally can live in that property until you pass away. I mean, it's, it's almost like they're rolling the dice on it and it's an insured loan. So if you, if you suck all the equity out of it, regardless, you know, that house goes to sale, um, they're fully covered. Right. Hmm. So. Most people don't look at it that way. They don't realize that. I see. I'm, I'm, my my wills are spinning in my brain. Like, huh? I just about to tap into this. Um, there's a little short sale on weed stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically because I didn't really know. I didn't really realize that the bank didn't pay for the mortgage. Not the mortgage for the taxes. I thought the bank was still paying for the taxes. You're, you're responsible for taxes and insurance on the house. So I need to be looking for leads that are reverse mortgage with tax lien. That's correct. Thanks. You're welcome. What other leads should we be looking for? Because you are the recovery asset specialist, right? Well, my company, it's funny when people reach out to me, they're like, oh, you're a processor. No, I'm not a processor. My company's set up as loss mitigation. So we go after whatever's out there. I mean, I've had some wacky stuff. We've actually injected equity back in the property uh, and taken out a second mortgage. So. But like, listen, we're going nowhere with this. So we're going to short the second. They're like, yeah, okay. And we <laughs> do it. So there is a way of doing it. Just right. people don't know how to be creative with doing it. And here's how it works. You ask. But if you don't ask, you don't know. So you, right? you're saying you could do a short sale on the second mortgage? Yeah. Okay. How does that work? Like two minutes left. Very so easy. Do- people are tuning in like, how do you do it? Hey, I'll be so I may I may have to hold you an extra ten minutes, but how do you short sell a second mortgage? And why? So, so maybe you're current on the first, maybe you're not current on the second. Uh, maybe there's no perceived equity in the property. Uh, maybe the person wants to stay in the property, uh, but he has a second mortgage. Uh, you could go to the second and say, "Look, the house is over leverage. Take this, and you know, as a settlement, and, and keep it moving." I actually, I did it with the house years ago. Now it's actually come back. Uh, they're doing a short sale. He owed about $140,000 on his second. And we settled it out. We settled his second mortgage for 14 grand. Exactly. So yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. For those, for those who are listening, for those who are listening, uh, this is an audio. Okay, maybe. We won't it, was like mind, it was like mind blowing on the screen over here. No. Um, so he's doing another short sale. So yes, yeah, so we short set. We, we got rid of the second. 
we settled it out. Mm-hmm. And then now he's, he, he had run into more trouble financially. Um, and you know, he'd come back and we, uh, now we're short selling his house. Oh, wow. Wow. Which is crazy because if he still had that and his current mortgage, he probably would be owing about 1.3 million, but wow. the house is probably only worth about 450,000. Oh, wow. Crazy. Wow. Now, I'm talking about back payments, years old missed payments it's... or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Well, you're definitely sharing all of the gym. So are you investing as well? Like, are you picking up some of these deals for yourself? So I have it. But this time around, the answer is yes. And we have a lot of people that are, you know, dying to, you know, do transactions with me. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be short sales. They might actually just be settlements with banks. Um, And also, obviously, you know, going directly to the asset managers and asking them, hey, we got got a couple million. What are you guys looking to get rid of? And then either try to do workouts with the homeowners and be the bank mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, offer something that, you know, makes sense to them as far as, you know, moving on to, you know, the next phase of their life. Not everybody, like everybody's always like, when they talk to people that are in distress, they're all like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Really, the conversation should be is, what are you looking to do? One of the famous lines that I have out there is, you know, are you looking for options? Do you want to know your options? Mm-hmm. And people are like, that's awesome. But to me, it's common sense. Right. But I'm, but you got to remember that the people that I'm, that are coming to me that are coaching are coming from a different perspective. They're talking, they're trying to get listings, right. but they're not listening, right? You're talking to somebody and they're distressed. You're not going on a listing appointment. You're going on a listening appointment. You've got to listen to the people that are in distress. Yes. And a lot of times I'll listen to conversations where they'll actually call people to like expired listings. And they're like, what do you think? I'm like, that was horrendous. Like you suck. You are like, don't Matt, don't hold back. Tell me the truth. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you. Right. Right. So, so I love that. Again, you're listening. You're not looking for a sale. You don't even know if it's going to equate to anything. And I think you've so- told me in the past on the phone conversations, a lot of these people don't even want your help. They like to wait to the last minute when like they're about to drown. Yeah. Then you probably can't even help them. Now, tell us a story or tell us a time when literally the person waited to the last minute, but you were able to help them. Well, there's actually a lot of those people. Unfortunately. So okay. I did I get a call from uh, one, of, one of my attorneys that I do business with, got a lead, doesn't want to file bankruptcy. He's got a sheriff's sale, you know, two weeks. Um, so I, I call, I speak with the homeowner and I said to him, look, in the end, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but you know, there's, there's a good chance. Like you might have to file bankruptcy. I don't want to file bankruptcy. Well, do you want, how bad do you not want bankruptcy, but you really want to have a foreclosure on your record? And he paused for a second. He started laughing and he goes, is that your question? I'm like, no, that's an honest question. I said, do you want to have a foreclosure on your record? He said, no. I said, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And this is the plan of attack. And, um, we were able to, uh, speak with the, um, with the bank, uh, spoke with the processing department, uh, he asked to speak with, um, you know, one of the managers, explain the situation. And, um, we were able to get the file on track. Now, um, four days before closing, uh, we find out that the guy doesn't qualify for a mortgage. So it was a show, but they're like, oh, we need more time. Like, well, you don't get any more time. So hopefully, hopefully. Uh, this thing's supposed to close the 16th of this month. We were able to get the extension, uh, based on the amount of volume that we actually do with this bank mm. and they know our track record. So that's a good reason to want to work with real estate recovery group. Yeah. Pull out a wrap. We pull a lot of wrap that I had. Um, 
So we're, you're, we're banking on the fact that he's going to give us a testimonial, but it's funny, like when you're in the ether and you're in trouble, and then it comes down to like saying, thank you. A lot of these people forget, you know, who you are, whatever. So I'm definitely not doing it for the glory of it. Right. Uh, for the testimonials, which cracks me up. Doing it because it, it's a service that we can provide, but we need everybody to be on the same page. That file is, it continues to be, you know, a pain in my butt. The agent on the buyer's side, probably one of the worst agents I've ever worked with in 17 years. Um, my fee wasn't disclosed properly, although it's disclosed everywhere. We're going to talk about that in a second too. The ramifications of, you know, what my company offers as far as the service was not disclosed. Um, we have emails going back now, almost two and a half months requesting to speak with the buyer and the buyer's agent blocking us from speaking, you know, with the buyer. Well, I finally spoke with the buyer and the buyer's like, well, I had no idea. I don't normally buy short sales. I usually buy, you know, um, like, uh, real estate owned or real properties. Right. Uh, so nothing was disclosed to this guy, but in the end, it, it all worked out with him. He still listens to his, his, uh, his realtor. And it's a shame because the guy is giving improper information. Um, there was an email chain about a week or so ago where the, the buyer's agent didn't want the listing agent on the email chain anymore. It was like, it's like one of those baby stuff, but I have all the stuff to back it up. Can't even make the shop. But right. it's a shame because in the end, the person who's really going to hurt is the seller. Because the seller's hiring us to do a job. The thing that upset me is I know a lot of states don't have attorneys. So there's just like title companies. Uh, and I know in New Jersey, sometimes they don't have attorneys. They just have title companies. Mm -hmm. This is one of the situations. And the, the buyer's agent was acting as legal counsel, which is a huge no-no. And we have all that in the emails. I don't know why they don't have special circumstances with distressed real estate that they don't have legal counsel in place for both sides because right. both sides need to understand um, really what's going to happen. And that, again, that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book because people need to understand what's going to happen in the process of short sales. Right. So I tell people that, and it's, it's funny how people react, you know, like everybody wants everything for free. You know, people are like, yeah, I don't have, I don't have the money to buy the book. Can you, you know, can I get a free copy? Meantime, she's wearing a Rolex and he's driving a Mercedes and he's got, you know, and his investment, you know, he's, to me, he's an investor. So I'm like, you know, you're shady. So we'll never do business together. So I don't even want you, I don't want you to buy my book. Yeah. So there's a lot out there, but that's the most recent that I have going on. And how long did it take to get to, like, how long have you been working on that file from the, from the first point of contact? Uh, we've been working on that file for about six months. Oh, that's not bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. So what but are you... But a long six months. A lot of anger, a lot of stress. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we don't want you stressed out. But what are you being compensated... Who are you being compensated by? Is it the bank or is it the buyer? So the buyer pays for my service. So the buyer is getting a, a fairly decent deal on the property. Let's say the property is worth maybe uh, uh, two forty. Um, that means they're getting the property for one ninety. Okay. Right. Sure. So they pay they pay my company ten thousand dollars. So again, the property for two hundred. Um, let's say closing costs, whatever. Let's say they're getting it for you know thirty thousand dollars below. Still a good deal. Right, right, right. Very down below prop, you know, you know, below the value. But you know, but then you get people that like I have a deal that just came back to me. It was a year ago, and. The agent was like, I'm sorry, Matt, the buyer doesn't want to use you. The seller really wants to work with you. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, the buyer says they can get the deal done by themselves. No problem. I said, I hope it works. Well, guess what happened? Not only did it not work, the guy didn't move forward with the proper documentation and the deal, the mm -hmm. buyer, that is. And um, the homeowner, the husband, uh, suffered a stroke because of it. So, uh, you know. So now we're back in okay. it. So, hey, you know, no pressure. You know, now that we, you know, like if it doesn't work, what the guy's going to die, you know, so there's all, so there are scenarios where people think, you know, it's a better scenario. But my thing is like, 
if you're not willing to pay my company $10,000 or 3% to get you what I perceive to be a, a good deal on a transaction, why would you not want to do it? And it's mainly people that are no role people or they don't see the value in what I bring to the table, which is sad because that particular person that didn't qualify for the property um, was complaining that he couldn't get his deposit back. You know how much his deposit was? $1,000. But yet you held this property up for over a year, couldn't close on it when you said you could close on it and you caught this guy almost his life. So there's a lot of variables that come into play. And I, my company simply is a, a loss mitigation, but we're a mediary. So we talk all parties that are involved. And the outcome has to be favorable for the seller and the buyer. Wow. I have more questions about that deal, but I ain't going to hold you up. But what I will say is, everyone, make sure if you want to learn anything about real estate short sales, you have to contact Matt. He is the guy that you want to see. He has a boot camp, I think, course for sale. Definitely go invest in that. It's actually, hold up. I actually pulled that course down. I'm redoing it. Oh, okay. I'm updating it. I'm redoing it and making it more clean, more crisp. So people that have had it, she reached out to me and I said, no, it's up right now. Uh, it's just going to be swapped out. It's going to be replaced for people that actually purchased it. But right. guess what? The price is going to be going up. Yes. I mean, to be honest with you, a short sale course should run you about $1,000 minimum. Just don't charge me 1000 okay, Matt? Go with your browsing. But everybody else, yeah, I need to go. I got you. I got you. Um, not only that, you need to go get his book. Okay. There's a lot of other people out here that's trying to sh show you how to do short sales, uh, whether it's from an agent perspective yeah. or whatever. Matt is showing you from every perspective. So you definitely want to invest in yourself, learn how to do it, especially if you are an agent or an investor or a developer, whatever you're into. This is the guy that you want to lead you. And literally show you the process of how it gets done from everything. Show you how it parts wet seeds. Go ahead. Exactly. He is a miracle worker. Um, and definitely go support the book. If you were at my event VIP, you actually got the book for free. Okay. So you missed out if you ain't show VIP. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. And God willing, um, I'm supposed to be doing a master class soon. God willing, we'll have Mr. Matt over here. Be an actual trainer at the event. We're gonna change up this a little bit. Um, hey, can I give away a free gift? Sure. What's that? So I have a cheat sheet, and it's the seven most important steps to handle any short sale. I'd okay. love to give it away if that's possible. Yeah. So Matt, you can send us your link. We'll add it with the podcast episode on um, YouTube, and then when I post it on. Instagram and Facebook, I also added up there as well. So make sure you email me the link and we'll make sure that the audience members get it. It's now, do you want, you want me to say what the link is now? You want me to just send it to you? Well, I mean, you can do that too. What's the link? So the link is uh, com slash forward cheat sheet. Okay, simple. com slash forward cheat sheet. And let everybody know how they can actually keep in contact with you or find you on, on social media. So the best way to actually is to follow me on any links that I have for social media is my digital card, my digital platform, which is MatthewMarinoff.com. So it's M-A-T-T-H-E-W. Last name is Marinoff. M-E-R-E-N-O-F-F is -F in Frank.com. And it has literally everything on there, including my book. And it also has the the cheat sheet on there as well. There's a lot of great information on that platform. Awesome. So everyone, again, shortsellsavage.com forward slash cheat sheet. Um, that's it. So thank you, Matt, for coming on again. I love you. Just remember, it's not a no until you get a restraining order. He makes you laugh, y'all. He's so funny. Well, right. That is true. Especially in real estate, right? <laughs> People, I always tell people, you have, I don't care if they threaten to call the police on you. Still follow up, okay? So you have a restraining order. But anyway, thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure. Uh, 
Matt said, Matt gave us, okay, here go his book. It's not a restraining order. It's not a no until you get a restraining order. That's it. It's in the book. Gotta be real. So according to Matt, we're not going to have a 20, well, 2007 type of crash. We didn't even talk about predictions. All right, before we go, what are your predictions? Uh, I don't think it's going to be like 2007, 2008. I think the market, regardless, people are buying properties. I remember, listen, you know, back when, when my parents were buying properties, you know, they were buying houses, you know, $50,000, at 18% interest rate. So, you know, salaries are different. So people are going to buy, listen, people are always going to buy real estate. I don't care what market it is in. But as long as you can buy it right, um, fix it right, and sell it right, you're going to make money. But if you're an end user, you're buying it, and the quality is there, and the quality material is there, and people see it, and you're not overcharging for the property, you're still going to sell. I don't care what market you're in. Okay. All right. You you heard it from a person that's in these streets, these real estate streets every day, all day. Okay. Again, thank you, Matt. Everyone, make sure you go to journeytodeveloper.com. You go subscribe for this podcast. You go on all podcast platforms and subscribe, especially YouTube. Like and subscribe and share the content that I'm putting out. And thank you for all of your support. And everyone be blessed. Have a great life or day. Take care. Have the day you deserve. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, that's good. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Journey to Developer podcast with Deontay Chantel and her special guest. Listen, we want you to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform and give us a five-star review. That will be incredible. And we also have a visual experience over on YouTube. Just YouTube Journey to Develop Her Podcast. To follow Deontay on Instagram, just hit up D. Deontay Chantel, that's D-I-O-N-T-E-C-H-A-N-T-E-L. And also on IG at Journey to Develop Her. That's Journey to Develop Her. You can hit all the links in her bio with that. Stay locked in, keep developing, and we'll see you here next time.